0: Welcome to Pursuing Truth. I'm your host, Barry Watkins. Hey, welcome to Pursuing Truth. We're going to talk about something today that I uh, have been meaning to bring up for quite a while and just hadn't found the time. But um, this is uh, something that I posted on our Facebook group quite a while ago. And I did want to bring it into our show. Um, there's a book by Carl Sagan uh, called The Demon Haunted World. And uh, one of the things he does in this book is he gives this list of uh, methods of determining baloney. So he uh, he calls it the baloney detection kit. And he says that, um, you know, we all need to have these things in mind. These are basic things in mind about logical thinking, critical thinking, um, objective thinking that can help us to sort out truth from lies when we look at uh, a claim that somebody makes. And uh, it's based on the scientific method. I think it's basically the scientific method, which is the best thing that we've come up with as human beings as a way of kind of determining truths about the universe about the world and um so these things are pretty basic but yeah let's go into some of these and i think it's worth um looking at he gives a list of nine points uh, that we can talk about and uh this is the baloney detection kit so um it's numbers one through nine so i'm just going to read these real quick and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit okay so um The uh, tool, first tool is wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Number two, um, encourage substantive debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points of view. And number three, arguments from authority carry little weight. Authorities have made mistakes in the past. They will do so again in the future. Perhaps a better way to say it is that in science, there are no authorities, really. At most, there are experts. Um, So staying away from arguments from authority. Uh, Number four, spin more than one hypothesis. If there's something to be explained, think of all the different ways in which it could be explained. Then think of tests by which you might systematically disprove each of the alternatives. What survives? The hypothesis that resists disproof in this Darwinian selection among multiple working hypotheses has a much better chance of being the right answer than if you had simply run with the first idea that caught your fancy, right? So testing your hypothesis, kind of coming up with alternative explanations for something and and testing, you know, trying to disprove actually the hypothesis that you're coming up with. Uh, It's part of the scientific method. So that's point number four. Uh, Point number five, try not to get overly attached to a hypothesis just because it's yours. It's only a way station in the pursuit of knowledge. Ask yourself why you like the idea. Compare it fairly with the alternatives. See if you can find reasons for rejecting it. If you don't, others will. Number six, quantify. If whatever it is you're explaining has some measure, some numerical quantity attached to it, you'll be much better able to discriminate among competing Hypotheses, what is vague and qualitative is open to many explanations. Of course, there are truths to be sought in the many qualitative issues we're obliged to confront, but finding them is more challenging. So if you can quantify something, you wanna do that if it's possible. So, um, and then number seven, if there's a chain of argument, every link in the chain must work, including the premise, not just most of them, right? Number eight, Occam's razor. This convenient rule of thumb urges us, when faced with two hypotheses that explain the data equally well, to choose the simpler. And number nine is always ask whether the hypothesis can be, at least in principle, falsified. Propositions that are untestable, unfalsifiable, are not worth much. Consider the grand idea. That our universe and everything in it is just an elementary particle an electron say in a much bigger cosmos but if we can never acquire information from outside our universe is not the idea incapable of disproof you must be able to check assertions out inveterate skeptics must be given the chance to follow your reasoning to duplicate your experiments and see if they get the same result okay so um, this this is um, Carl Sagan's list, and I think it's a great list. And then, um, as part of the baloney detection kit, he goes on, um, and uh, we can cover these later. Um, and we covered some of them before, uh, actually. He lists, uh, he does a, a list of twenty of the most common um, uh, the uh, of logical fallacies. So um, yeah, those are. Uh, those are something we'll cover separately, but okay. These, um, these, um, nine points are pretty clear and pretty good. And they are kind of a pretty good breakdown. I think of how to think objectively, how to, how to check things out, um, that you hear. And, um, so we do, I do as, as just a logical way of thinking, um, I do kind of follow these pretty much all the time. And, um, it's, it's, uh, if you think about how this works, um, it's basically testing things out, you know, looking at multiple possibilities, and then you kind of eliminate things that you can disprove, you know, if you can disprove some of the alternate ideas, um, that helps you narrow down to the truth. And then just the whole whole concept of, okay, getting it, getting it checked by multiple people Um, presenting things to others and allowing other people to chime in. And, uh, you know, so this is how science works on a daily basis. This is how scientific propositions are put out there. And then, um, people publish peer reviewed, you know, papers and things like that for their ideas. And then they get reviewed and then they get tested. And of course, you as a as a scientist would want to present things that can be tested, and then you would test test your own hypothesis if possible. Um, if you're presenting things that can't be tested, obviously that's a little more difficult to figure out. But that's a part of logic and and reasoning as well. Is things that you can't necessarily test, but you can um, apply logic to them. You can. Uh, apply logical principles and say, well, what is the more likely to be true out here? And that's where some of the other logical um, steps come in as, you know, like Occam's razor, things like that. So, um, and avoiding arguments from authority and so on. So let's, um, let's take these kind of, again, just point by point. And I wanted to, to give these a good treatment today. And then, um, obviously any additional things we come up with, well, We'll add those later, but um, let's talk about these for now and and kind of hash these out. If uh, if you have questions or if you don't agree with something that's presented here, yeah, I want to hear all about it. And then we'll we'll talk about it. Um, We look at uh, number one, wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Um, This is part of objective reasoning and part of our uh, belief that, okay, if there is such a thing as objective truth out there, then it ought to be able to be confirmed independently. Um, And we want to be able to do that. So uh, one person's opinion about something, one person's idea about something uh, doesn't carry a whole lot of weight unless, okay, let's get independent confirmation. Let's get somebody else to, to look at this and say, okay, can we confirm that this is true are there ways to confirm that this is true so you make a claim like oh yeah there's uh you know there's this um you know say there's some exotic creature that lives in my yard and you know this is a true thing it's uh oh yeah we see this peacock let's say comes into our yard you know pretty often and then he leaves you know and it's like, uh, you know, you could tell, be telling someone about this. Well, they might be skeptical if they don't get some kind of independent confirmation that this is true. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pursuing Truth. Barry Watkins. (laughs) Yeah, so um, we're we're talking about number one, wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Uh, The number one tool in the uh, kit of nine tools that uh, Carl Sagan talked about uh, calls his baloney detection kit. Uh, These are you know, Uh, Things that we use to uh, investigate or analyze information um, and determine truth or falsity of something. Well, independent confirmation, you know, I make the claim that uh, there's a peacock that comes into my backyard and and then leaves. I'm talking to somebody about this. Well, they might want some independent confirmation before they necessarily believe this. Um, They might want to hear an eyewitness account of somebody else that's seen it. You know, like, oh well, who else has seen this? Oh well, if I if I say nobody else has seen it but me, that might call it into doubt a little bit, right? And then um, another thing might be, oh well, let's. Do you have a picture of it? Did you take any any photos, and I can maybe show them a picture that I've taken, and it's in my backyard, and it's very clear that it's this peacock in my backyard. Well, that might help somebody see that. Um, that it's, you know, it gives them a little more confidence that I'm telling them the truth, right? That I'm not spinning baloney. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, conf- independent confirmation of the facts. Number two, um, encourage substantive debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points of view. So, um, this, this comes in, um, we want to encourage substantive debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points of view. This this is any kind of a area that we're not always just focused on scientific things here. We're focused, I mean, on this show, you know, talking about truth versus lies. I mean, it could be any kind of a claim. It could be any kind of a truth that somebody or something that presents as the truth. And then we wanna know, okay, is this true or is this not true? And so you can apply this in many different fields of study you can apply this just in everyday knowledge you know apply this to news stories that you hear whatever well i mean when you hear a news report and they talk about climate change for instance well where's the source of the information you know i i remember hearing some anti-climate change kind of uh facts kind of thrown out by somebody one time and they, they told us up front when they're reading the, these this uh, paper, they're telling us where it's coming from was from like Exxon Oil. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> is that a biased source? I would say it's an it's a biased source. Now, um, yeah, so you want to have um knowledgeable proponent? You know, you want to have knowledgeable people talk about this. Somebody that's actually knowledgeable about the subject to speak to it. And then you want various points of view. You don't want necessarily one point of view only to be presented and talked about by the experts. You want to find experts on the other side, maybe, or with other opinions and kind of hash it out. You want to have debate about things. And this, this is a healthy thing that we want to do. So this is one thing we want to do when we, when we hear things on the news, when we hear somebody just talk about something at work, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I heard this or that, you know, about climate change, you know, and and how it's baloney, you know, well then, okay, well, where did this information come from? Dig just a little deeper and you can find out pretty quickly sometimes. Okay. How much authority does the person actually have that's talking about this? And then are they talking about it from maybe a slanted point of view? Sometimes the slant can be pretty obvious. So you want to, you know, that's, that's what this point was kind of uh, talking about. All right, then um, we want to talk about arguments from authority. Number three in the uh, of our toolkit here is arguments from authority carry little weight. Authorities have made mistakes in the past. They will do so again in the future. Perhaps a better way to say it is that in science, there are no authorities. At most, there are experts. And this is very true. It's, it's something that you hear people try to do all the time, and that is um, an appeal to authority. Uh, I remember this uh, this one guy was talking about evolution and um, he was an anti-evolution guy. And he was a scientist, but um, I think he was a chemist, some kind of a chemist. And uh, he had this whole thing about how evolution was completely impossible and that statistically it can never happen, you know, kind of thing. And uh, he has this whole series of videos, I guess, that he's put out about this. And um, he, okay, he has authority. He has a doctorate. Um, He's a scientist. But is he he an evolutionary scientist? Not really. Um, He's got a specialty in chemistry, and I think it was chemistry. But it was something um, that, okay, yeah, that's that's good. But... um, You know, is it possible that, um, you know, this appeal to authority is actually not not helping us? You know that. And the truth is, whether he was an evolutionary biologist or not, one guy's opinion about something just because he is an authority or perceived authority in something doesn't mean that his argument is sound. It doesn't mean that he's telling you the truth. It doesn't mean that he has all the facts that he's presenting to you. Um, uh, in an honest fashion, some sort of thing like that. So, um, yeah, there, um, there's lots of examples we can, we can talk about this and, uh, you know, you, somebody like Dr. Oz, I guess he's been, uh, they talked about that he, he had some fraudulent kind of things that he's, pro- uh, promoted and he's actually been caught in some fraudulent, uh, kinds of, uh things that he has uh yeah promoted and um and and so yeah just cuz he has a doctor in front of his name doesn't mean that he knows what he's talking about or that he's being honest about it you know what i mean so that's the appeal to authority that we want to kind of avoid sure it's good like we talked about yeah it's it's really important that you find experts that are knowledgeable um to get your information from people who actually have knowledge about this, the subject that you're looking into. But just because someone claims some measure of authority doesn't mean that their argument is sound. All right, um, number four in our list of nine tools in the baloney detection kit, number four is spin more than one hypothesis. If there's something to be explained, think of all the different ways in which it could be explained then think of tests by which you might systematically disprove each of the alternatives what survives the hypothesis that resists disproof in this darwinian selection among multiple working hypotheses has a much better chance of being the right answer than if you had simply run with the first idea that caught your fancy so i really like this um it's really important that we handle things in this way too you know um spin more than one hypothesis. Think about other alternative explanations for something before you run with the first thing that you like or the thing that you've been presented with. Maybe there's only one answer that you've really been presented with and they don't give you all of the alternative possibilities. Well, this is kind of a, um, you know, you're on shaky ground if if you're not looking at alternative possibilities. So you hear, a claim. Sorry, I think I uh, gave in uh, explanations before uh, about some things that um, where I used to um, disbelieve evolution, and I heard I had heard creationist uh, explanations for things, and I had heard of scientific creationism. Uh, this was back in the '80s. That was the that was the buzzword back then. But uh, it's changed to uh, I think intelligent design is the new way of phrasing that. But um, when you hear somebody that is a proponent of a view, a certain view, you want to think about the other views of of something. And what what I used to do as a um, you know as a as a uh, Christian was a bible believer i was a bible literalist and i used to believe in young earth creationism well i would read all kinds of things from young earth creationists talking about why you should believe this way i didn't spend much time reading or any time really reading outside of those circles i didn't go try to find a book by someone who believed in evolution and really hear that side give that side kind of an honest hearing i didn't really want to do that back then because i wanted to believe what i wanted to believe right i was kind of closed-minded in that way i was i was like well in in a way i was i had a lot of reasons that were pushing me to believe the way that i did and we talked about mind control and we talked about guilt manipulation we talked about the things that cults do and we talk about the way that religion religion does to our minds you know and it, the religion that I was in, the fundamentalist, um, Bible literalist interpretation of the world, you know, used all of those tactics. The, the people that I was connected to used all of those tactics and, and used fear manipulation, guilt manipulation, everything else to keep my focus narrow, to keep my focus on, oh, I'm only going to read this kind of stuff because that's if I start reading stuff outside of that, I had this fear that it was going to lead me away, it was going to lead me away from God, it was going to lead me away from the truth, and I was going to get messed up. And that was a real thing that kept me, kept my mind a slave to false teachings, false beliefs. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pursuing Truth with Barry Watkins. So yes, um, working on you know um, pursuing more than one hypothesis at a time, or, or at least exploring more than one, uh, is the point there, and uh, I think it's a good good guide for sure. So um, we're at point number five, or. Uh, Tool number five in our uh, anti baloney kit, you know, baloney detection kit. And uh, that is um, try not to get overly attached to a hypothesis just because it's yours. It's only a way station in the pursuit of knowledge. Ask yourself why you like the idea. Compare it fairly with the alternatives. See if you can find reasons for rejecting it. If you don't, others will. Yeah. So it's it's the same kind of thing being critical about your own hypothesis. Being critical about the thing that you tend to believe, the the thing that you're gravitating towards as your uh, belief in something or or maybe even a long held belief that you've had. Try to look at it in in different ways and say, "Well, wait a minute. Um how do I really know that this is true?" And then, you know, not being overly attached to that hypothesis i think is a a huge thing and so it's related to the last uh last one that we were talking about too so um, we'll move on so the uh, tool number six quantify things quantify things if whatever it is you're explaining has some measure some numerical quantity attached to it you'll be much better able to discriminate among competing hypotheses what is vague and qualitative is open to many explanations. Of course, there are truths to be sought in the many qualitative issues we're obliged to confront, but finding them is more challenging. So um, this is saying, hey, uh, if there's a way to quantify um, what you're looking at, if there's a way to kind of break something down into numbers or um, measurements or you know direct observation or something like that, then yeah, Let's, let's do that. Let's break it down. And this is a way of, of getting to the objective truth behind, you know, the thing that we perceive. Our perceptions sometimes can be clouded by various things. They can be clouded by our emotions. They can be clouded. Our perceptions can be just clouded by um, previous held, pre- previously held opinions, previously held ideas. You know, our brains can be wired a certain way because we've believed something for years, perhaps. And uh, when we look at things in an objective manner and we, we pull it aside and we say, okay, what is the objective truth here? How do I know? And one, one good way to do that is to look for measurable things, quantifiable things. If it's impossible to quantify something, you know, then, yeah, we have to rely on logic. We have to rely on reasoning, um, you know, rather than observation. But it's it's nice if we can allow observations to help us to reach good conclusions. Uh, tool number seven, if there's a chain of argument, every link in the chain must work, including the premise, not just most of them. So, yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's, it's just a really good logical truth that we need to remind ourselves of is that if you've got a weak link in your argument, well, that weak link is really what you need to figure out, you know, because one weak link can make the whole thing kind of fall apart potentially. So um, you need to pay attention to every part of every step along the way. Am I thinking clearly? Is this thing making logical sense? Does this add up? Step one, step two, steps three. It doesn't matter if you've got steps five through ten working really well, but steps one through four are a little shaky. You know what I'm saying? You've gotta you've gotta have a good argument every step of the way or you're kind of, yeah, potentially building yourself on on a foundation that's not very good. And so that can lead to problematic conclusions. Uh, number eight, Um, Occam's razor. This convenient rule of thumb urges us when faced with two hypotheses that explain the data equally well to choose the simpler. Occam's razor. It's It's not necessarily a hard and fast rule that it's always going to apply, but Occam's razor is basically, hey, the simpler solution as a guide, a lot of times really does make sense that the simpler solution is the right one, you know? Um, You've got, uh, uh, you know, two stories of what happened. Uh, You see, you know, uh, a gun on the floor and you see a dead person next to the gun. You can think, well, it looks like probably this gun may be related to this this killing, especially if there's a wound, (laughs) you know. It looks like this person has been shot. Well, hey, this gun might have something to do with this whole thing. Um, Or you could say, no, you know, I think maybe the gun, you know, just happened to be there and we could come up with some reason why the gun's there that is a long drawn out reason, you know, but, uh, you know, um, so a lot of times the simple solution makes the most sense. And we need to kind of it's it's a guide for us to to help be logical and reasonable about our uh, train of thought as we're thinking through things. If something takes a lot of steps to make make it work, um, a lot of gyrations to make something really work, but the simple answer is a different answer, a lot of times, yeah, it's probably the, the simple answer makes the most sense a lot of times. Um, I found this to be the case with a, a lot of things Regarding the Bible and religion when I was investigating things and uh, when it came to oh, you know what? It takes a lot of hoops That we're jumping through to make the Bible actually make sense here Um, Well, you know, maybe maybe it just the answer is that it just doesn't actually didn't make sense And uh, that's generally the conclusion that I've come up come up against with uh, with things like that so I think that's a that is a good guide. It's not like I say it's not always going to be the case that the simple solution is true, but I think um, it's a good guide and and it's a philosophical point that we can make. Um, and then um, our final tool from Carl Sagan's kit here is that uh, we always ask whether the hypothesis can be at least in principle falsified. Propositions that are untestable and unfalsifiable. Falsifiable viable are not worth much. Consider the grand idea that our universe and everything in it um, is just an elementary particle, for example. Think about that. An electron, say, in a much bigger cosmos. We could come up with that theory. But if we can never acquire information from outside our universe, is not the idea incapable of disproof? Yeah, it is. And therefore, it's kind of really not worth much. The idea doesn't make much sense to pursue or to believe if there's really no way to prove it or disprove it. You must be able to check assertions out. Inveterate skeptics must be given the chance to follow your reasoning to duplicate your experiments and see if they get the same results. So, um, yeah, and, the, the, you know, a lot of pseudoscience, a lot of um, grandiose claims can be made. Um, by religion or by anyone, a lot of a lot of claims can be made that are actually not falsifiable. And when we run up against something like that, that's that's something that we can, as a test, you know, kind of hold up there and say, wait a minute, is this falsifiable? If not, it's probably not going to be something that we need to believe. You know, something like, uh, oh yes, there's this invisible. You know, the whole you've heard maybe heard the whole argument about uh, Carl Sagan again uh, with his invisible dragon in his basement, I believe it was. And uh, he he comes up with, oh, yeah, there's an invisible dragon in my basement. But, uh, you know, can it be detected? Is there any way to go, you know, test, you know, maybe we can um, find footprints? Oh, no, it, it floats. It doesn't make footprints. You know, you have all these tests that are um, proposed to detect this dragon and none of them will work because it's explained away somehow that, oh, yeah, this this dragon, you know, doesn't uh, have any heat. You can't detect his temperature. You can't, you know, there's this whole list of things that you're, you're trying to do to to detect whether this dragon is really there or not. And the claim is, well, no, you can't do this because he is immaterial or, you know, all of these things. Well, um, yeah, at that point, it becomes an unfalsifiable claim. It's something that you can never disprove is true, but it's also something that, uh, you know, really can't be proven as true. So uh, when we run into that, yeah, that's just um, something to watch out for. So there you have it. We've got um, the uh, baloney detection kit. And uh, I wanted to share those things with you. And um, I know a lot of it's kind of elementary. A lot of it is, uh, is things maybe you've heard before, but um, you know, I think sometimes it's good to refresh our memories on, on how, how to understand, you know, how to walk through something and make sure that we're getting objective about things. Make sure that we're not allowing emotion to push us down a certain course when um if we can back off of the emotion you know sometimes that's the key well i think um having a list like this and breaking something down like that can help us a lot of times and that's the way i've approached things in the past i hope this is helpful to you well have uh have a great day um we'll talk soon and i look forward to your comments and questions see you later bye